Well, good morning. Welcome to our Sunday School Hour here at Long Hill Baptist Church, Trumbull, Connecticut. We sang the Bible stands. We praise God this morning for God and for his words. Lord, thank you this morning for your words. Thank you for giving them. Thank you for preserving them. Thank you for uh, a wonderfully excellent translation of your inspired and preserved words uh, in our King James Bible. I want to ask you this morning, take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 3. I want to pick up our study in the book of Acts this morning in Acts chapter 3. I was looking at my notes this morning and I I saw sort of a sermon outline. I'll give that to you quickly. Uh, We'll see here this morning a prayer to God. Uh, We'll see Peter and John go to the temple to pray a prayer to God. And then we'll see a demonstration of the power of God, the demonstration of the power of God. Uh, And then we'll see Peter preach his second sermon, uh, kind of a part two, I think, to his first sermon, uh, preaching uh, of God's word. So we'll see the prayer, a prayer to God, the power of God, and the preaching uh, of God's words. Zach, I didn't pray yet, did I? Let's pray. <laughs> Father, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you this morning for uh, the Bible. Thank you for its power. Thank you for its place in our lives. Lord, I thank you this morning for uh, working uh, in our minds and our hearts through your words. Thank you this morning that uh, these words, Lord, are, are not just words on a page. They are your words. And somehow, supernaturally, uh, they remain quick. They are, they are alive. They're your living words, and they are powerful. Lord, I thank you this morning that we have the privilege to open an accurate translation. We're mindful this morning that so many around the world do not have the privilege to open up a Bible in their language. Lord, help us this morning to appreciate this wonderful privilege Uh, that we do have. Father, help me now this morning. I need that. I pray for it. I pray you'd use me this morning, Lord, and that each one who's listening, Lord, would uh, just benefit this morning uh, for your honor and for your glory. Lord, help us now as we look into your words and uh, give us a hunger and thirst this morning for uh, these your words. Lord, I love you and I thank you now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're in Acts chapter 3. Uh, I want to go ahead and just jump in. We see here in in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John go uh, to pray uh, at the temple. It says here, uh, now Peter and John went up together into the temple uh, at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. So uh, the way the Jewish people uh, reckoned uh, time uh, there in the first century, this would be 3 p.m. And it was one of uh, three kind of standard set times Uh, that were Jewish prayer times. There was 9 a.m. in the morning, there was noon uh, and 3 p.m. So uh, basically across that six-hour period from 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there were three uh, traditional times of prayer. Uh, And so Peter and John are maintaining uh, that tradition. You know, some traditions need to be let go of because they're not biblical. Uh, But this is a tradition, this prayer tradition, Brother Ray, uh, was certainly uh, a good and godly and, and biblical uh, tradition. We see here Peter and John, they're faithful uh, men who remained committed to prayer. Lord, help us to be faithful people who remain committed uh, to prayer. Of course, we, uh, we are mindful of um, Paul's uh, command from the Lord to the Thessalonian church, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, uh, he wrote simply, pray without ceasing. Now, I understand this morning you can't go, out th- uh, go throughout your day, there we go, um, praying uh, literally constantly, 
but you can uh, get up and begin your day with prayer and, and maintain a, an attitude of prayerfulness throughout the day and close your day with prayer and get up with God's help and do that again uh, the next day. Uh, and of course, that's exactly what we are called to do. Lord, help us. Help us to confess a, a lack of prayerfulness this morning. Lord, I, I confess I don't uh, pray uh, exactly always the way that you would have me to do that, and I pray that you'll help me. Uh, boy, what a, what a great prayer this morning. You want to please God and, and rejoice his heart this morning. Uh, let's just take a moment and say, Lord, we're, we're not prayerful like we should be. Help us to be more prayerful throughout each day. Uh, Peter and John, they went to the temple to pray, uh, and certainly this is a wonderful example for us. So uh, we see here prayer to God, and then we see a wonderful demonstration uh, of the power of our Lord. I want to be specific and say that uh, it's the power of Christ that we see uh, in uh, force, uh, in full force here. Uh, so this is um, the healing of the lame man, uh, you may recall, uh, here in Acts chapter 3. Uh, look here in verse 12. Uh, the Bible says that a certain lame man, so this is a man who uh, had some sort of uh, difficulty walking. He was unable to walk uh, normally. It was evidently quite a serious disability uh, because he literally needed to be carried. It wasn't just a limp. Uh, it was a rather severe uh, movement disorder of some kind, uh, some sort of affliction, a certain man lame from his mother's womb. So he was unable to walk uh, from the time that he was born, Brother Ray. Evidently, he was never able to walk uh, uh, since birth. Uh, there was a man lame from his mother's womb who was carried, that's how severe his condition was, whom they laid daily uh, at the gate of the temple, which is called uh, Beautiful. Uh, this particular gate at the temple is referenced also in verse 9, forgive me, verse 10. Uh, they knew it was uh, he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. I don't have time to go into all the gates of the temple and some of the possible significance of them, but uh, this one evidently was very beautiful. Uh, it's thought to be the eastern gate of the temple. Uh, it was likely very ornate and called beautiful because it was just that. It was a beautiful, uh, very beautiful gate uh, into the temple complex. In any event, uh, this man was carried there uh, and set there to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So uh, you understand he, he was so disabled that he would not be able to work. He was uh, dependent on the giving of others. Uh, for his uh, sustenance, um, and so this was um, this was the practice. He would be set there uh, to ask alms, to ask uh, for donations of passers-by uh, as they passed into the temple. Verse three is interesting. It says, "Who seeing Peter, this man who seeing Peter and John uh, about to go into the temple, asked uh, an alms, uh, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, verse four said, uh, look on us.'" Uh, I think that's interesting. You know, if, if you're walking uh, on the streets of Manhattan and there's uh, someone on the street begging, uh, our natural temptation is to look away, <laughs> to look away, to ignore the person, uh, to not make eye contact. But uh, Peter fastened his eyes upon um, the man with John and said, look on us. He did not ignore uh, this man or his need. Uh, he did not ignore the man or his need. 
Uh, verse 5 says this, uh, and he, um, the lame man, gave heed unto them, expecting uh, to receive something of them, expecting to receive uh, something of them. It was not unreasonable for him to expect uh, to receive alms. Of course, uh, we are called to meet one another's needs, literally within the church, but um, I would say nothing biblically prevents us. And um, I think you could make a case that, that um, there is a case for churches to have some uh, degree of outreach to meet the needs of, of those outside the church. Of course, we don't teach and preach a social gospel. Uh, it's, we, don't, we don't go out seeking to meet physical needs first. We go out seeking to meet spiritual needs first. But uh, there's nothing biblically that would prevent a church from uh, trying to help meet some of the physical needs of the people around us. Uh, and, and hoping that that might open a door to share the gospel. Again, we take great care uh, to not always lead with that, but it would not certainly would not be pre prevented or prohibited uh, biblically. So this man was expecting, the lame man was expecting to receive something uh, from these two men, Peter and John, who are entering in the temple, making eye contact with him, not ignoring uh, him. Uh, I would say certainly he was expecting to receive a coin, probably. Uh, he certainly, I, I would not think, was expecting uh, to receive a complete and instantaneous uh, healing by the power of Christ. Well, look at verse 6. So Peter's, Peter John's eyes are fixed upon him. Verse 6 says this, Then Peter said, uh, Silver and gold have I none. Uh, these men who were apostles from Christ were not blessed uh, with great wealth, Zach. They were blessed with uh, spiritual things, and certainly uh, we could say they were blessed with their needs having been met, but they uh, were not men that even had money to give <coughs> to a, a lame man uh, here at the temple. And Peter answers honestly, no doubt. He says, uh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. Whatever I, what I actually have to offer, I, I will give that to you. And then he says this, this is what he has to give. He says, in the name of who? Uh, what are the next four words there? What are the next four words? Jesus Christ uh, of Nazareth, uh, up there in Galilee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So uh, he invokes the Lord by name. Uh, he says, uh, up and walk. Uh, now, understand this morning, and, and I know you do understand, this is not Peter's power. It's not John's power, apart from Christ. Uh, having uh, gone to pray uh, and having uh, lived a life of prayerfulness, as evidenced by their intention here, uh, they, they knew a power from the Lord. Uh, they, they knew the power of Christ in their lives, and um, they call upon the Lord here uh, to heal this man. And, and they had, how, how can I say, Zach, that they had a great faith that the Lord would answer their prayer immediately. Uh, how could I say that? What could I, what could I say here from this verse that is evidence that they had a great faith? Well, they commanded this man in the name of Christ, Brother Ray, to get up and walk. Uh, they, they didn't just hope the Lord would do that. They, 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 they had such a great confidence that the Lord would heal this man completely and instantaneously that they said, hey man, just get up and walk. Now, you understand this morning that Acts is a transitional book. Uh, you understand that. Uh, there was a uh, miraculous uh, sign gift of, of healing that was in force at this time that 
uh, I do not believe is in force now. Now, I take care to say again this morning that we believe and we know for certain uh, that the Lord is still in the business of doing miracles, but this temporary sign gift of performing healing miracles, that, that has ceased. Uh, that has ceased. But it, it was very much in force um, at the time of Acts chapter 3. Uh, and so uh, Peter and John, who understood that, uh, men of great faith understood that it was their privilege to exercise that temporary gift uh, on this day uh, and to expect that uh, if they would just act in faith that the Lord would heal this man. And uh, that's, exactly, uh, that's exactly what happened. I want you to see the immediacy of the healing. Uh, verse 7 says this, He took him by the right hand. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and lifted him up. This is the same man who had to be carried ever since he was born from his mother's womb. Peter gave him a hand and gave him a hand up. And what's the next word there? What, what's that I word, uh, that adverb there? What is immediately? Uh, Peter gave him a hand up and immediately uh, his feet and ankle bones received, what does it say? What, what does it say, Brother Ray? What does it say? It re, what does it say? He received strength immediately from the Lord, just like that. Uh, we have a, a Savior, by the way, who has not changed. He's still able to do that, and no doubt sometimes uh, he does. We've seen God work miraculously in people's bodies. We've seen God uh, protect people physically miraculously. Uh, I praise God that uh, none of the five people who uh, got COVID here about a month ago got severely sick. I know everybody was sick, but not severely, uh, not like other people. Uh, God, uh, I believe we could say with confidence that God supernaturally protected people here. And praise God for that. Uh, praise God for that. Uh, Brother Ray didn't even have symptoms, not hardly at least. Uh, and so we, we do praise God for that. He's able to do that still. And uh, here uh, in verse 7, we see the Lord is able uh, to heal a man who was this severely handicapped. Uh, he was able to do that immediately. Uh, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now, once you see it was both immediate and it was evidently complete. Uh, in verse 8, we see uh, the completeness, the extent of the healing. Uh, down in verse 16, look, look there real fast. In verse uh, 16, I'm not there. Uh, in verse 16, um, we're just jumping ahead for one second. Uh, it's called, uh, down at the bottom, the Lord had given him this perfect soundness. Perfect soundness. Uh, he was healed completely. Look at, look at the evidence in verse 8 for the immediacy and the completeness uh, of this healing, this perfect soundness. This is the description of the man in verse 8. And he, leaping, the man who had to be carried from the womb uh, is now leaping up. He leapt up and stood. That right there, that, that's an amazing uh, bit of data here. We ought, we ought to be greatly encouraged uh, at the Lord's power here. It was, it was affected by the faith of, of Peter, uh, but it's, it's the Lord's power. Uh, this man was leaping up. He stood. Uh, he didn't just stand. What's the next thing he did? What's the next thing he did? He walked uh, and entered with them into the temple uh, walking. So uh, twice the Holy Spirit has um, 
who's writing the book of Acts? Luke, there we go, to uh, emphasize the man was able to walk, and he's walking. Uh, he began to walk, and he kept walking. Uh, participular idea there. He, he, he leapt up, he was leaping up, and stood and walked and continued walking uh, and leaping. That's emphasized uh, twice also. Uh, this is an amazing miracle of God. It's a, it's a profound demonstration of the power uh, of Christ. And he's not changed. He's not changed. We have the same Savior today, uh, the same kind of power uh, in our lives today. Now, I want you to um, see here the response first of this man. The response to this immediate, complete healing that yielded him perfect soundness, verse 16. I want you to see the, the response first of this man. And then I want you to see the response of the people who witnessed this healing. And then we'll see Peter preaching to those who, who witnessed uh, and responded a certain way. Right there at the end of verse 8, there's two words. There's a P word and there's a G word at the end of verse 8. Uh, this man is leaping, walking, entering, walking, leaping. Uh, what's that other uh, participular idea there? What's that P word there, Zach? Uh, what's, what's the P word? He's praising God. He began to start praising God. He began praising God. He just kept praising God. Uh, that's a good response to a miraculous demonstration of the power of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's praising God. I understand God is typically a reference literally to the Father. Uh, he's praising God. His response to this miraculous power demonstration of the power uh, of God in his life is to praise God. Why is he praising God? Well, he understands that it's the Lord who did this. Uh, I'm sure he understands that God used Peter uh, and John, these prayerful faithful men. But he understands that it's God working in them and through them that ultimately gave this immediate, complete, perfect uh, healing. And so he praises God. I'm sure he thanked the men at some point. The Holy Spirit doesn't have that to be recorded. That's not what's emphasized here. What's emphasized is the power of God and the praising of God in response to this uh, to the Lord demonstrating his power. Listen, if, if God has uh, done something uh, in your life this week, if God has provided for you this, God provided for this man, uh, God, uh, this man who uh, needed to beg uh, no longer will need to do that. God's restored him physically. Uh, he would be able to walk in the temple and pray. Uh, he'd be able to go to work uh, he'd be able to stop begging uh, and start working. Uh, and in response to that, he's praising. If God has done anything for you in your life this week, take a moment in your heart and just praise him. Thank you, Lord. Uh, when, when you come into church this morning and do that, come into church this morning, uh, take a moment and, and praise God to someone else. Grab someone. Well, don't grab them, but <laughs> uh, get close enough to someone where they can hear you and say, let me tell you what the Lord did for me this week. Uh, let's, let's just take a moment and praise God together. That's what this man did. Uh, that's what he did. By the way, by the way, this healing miracle is a fulfillment of a promise that Christ made in Mark 16, 18. Get that down, please. In Mark 16, 18, Brother Ray, uh, Christ said uh, of his uh, disciples, they shall take up serpents 
Uh, not that they should go and do that necessarily, but you remember that Paul uh, was bit by a poisonous serpent and lived. Uh, Christ said that would be the case miraculously. Uh, and if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick uh, and they shall recover. Uh, did Peter lay hands on this man? He did actually, took him by the right hand uh, and lifted him up. Uh, the sick shall recover. Uh, Christ promised that uh, there would be this period during which his disciples, his faithful disciples, um, would be uh, able to heal and who would also be supernaturally protected uh, physically. Uh, the implication, of course, is by the Lord. Uh, by the Lord, by, by Christ himself. So uh, this is an example of the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, to keep his promises. He's faithful to do that. He's able to do that. Uh, he was able to protect Paul when he was bit by the poisonous snake, uh, adder. Uh, he is uh, able to heal a man, to, make, uh, um, to give a man who was lame from birth the ability to leap up and walk. Uh, this is a fulfillment of, of Christ's promise. We have a Savior who is able and who is faithful to keep his promises. See verse 9, uh, we start to see here now the response of the witnesses, those who uh, saw what had happened here. Verse 9 says this, And all the people uh, saw him, uh, walking and praising God. There were witnesses to this miracle. Uh, and no doubt this is one of the reasons why the Lord is uh, chosen uh, to make this temporary sign gift available at this time. They didn't have the, the full can of scripture like we do. They didn't have the Bible to look in and see the power of Christ. They had to see it with their eyes. And so uh, no doubt the Lord is using uh, this to um, demonstrate himself uh, and Christ to others, uh, and especially here at the, the temple, faithful people here. All the people saw him walking uh, and praising God. So they saw him walking and they saw him giving God the glory uh, for the healing. Verse 10, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful, uh, the eastern gate of the temple. Uh, they knew it was the same man, this one who had to be carried around every day, um, they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened unto him. They were filled with wonder uh, and with amazement. They could hardly believe their eyes. Uh, it was uh, obviously a wonderful thing. It was obviously uh, an amazing thing. Uh, did they understand how this could be? Well, well no, I don't think so. Um, listen, if, if you see uh, someone who's quite sick uh, suddenly and, 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 and uh, immediately healed, uh, you do well to not wonder uh, or to be overly amazed. You understand that's God. He can do that. I understand he doesn't always do that, but God can do that. And so we ought not to uh, be filled with wonder or amazement, but simply with gratitude. <laughs> you know, a Christian person uh, should just be filled with gratitude. We know that God can do that. Uh, I've, I've said many times <laughs> that um, I, I hate it when I'm surprised when God answers a big prayer. Uh, why do I hate it? Because I shouldn't be surprised. You know, you pray because you have faith that God could do a big thing uh, in your life. And, and when he does that, 
uh, we ought not to be filled with wonder and amazement. We ought to be filled with gratitude and praise, uh, thanking him and, and praising him. We shouldn't be surprised. Um, Peter, verse 11, the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. Uh, let me try that again, verse 11. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them uh, in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So uh, the porch that is called Solomon's. Uh, is a portico of the temple on the eastern side. Uh, we know that for sure. And so the gate, beautiful, uh, would seem, it would seem that it was on the eastern side of the temple also. Uh, this is um, remnants of Solomon's original temple, uh, which had later been incorporated into the revised temple. Uh, so this is the idea here, just, just so you understand that. And uh, in verse 11, the people are greatly, greatly wondering. Uh, and so the, the Lord has um, sovereignly set the stage here for Peter to preach uh, again regarding Christ. Now, recall, we've just seen Peter preach um, at the temple on Pentecost, uh, and he preached what? Repent. Uh, for salvation, be baptized for obedience and addition uh, to the church uh, assembly there at Jerusalem, uh, and thousands of people did. Uh, and so the Lord has blessed with this uh, miracle. Uh, we had a miracle of tongues in the first sermon. Uh, the Lord has just performed another miracle uh, through Peter uh, and used it to set the scene, to dress the stage, if you will, for uh, Peter to preach again. God has brought an audience uh, and created an opportunity for Peter to preach. Uh, and so uh, we've seen uh, prayerful men, we've seen the power of God, and now the Lord's setting the stage for Peter to preach the words of God. Uh, and here's his second sermon. See first in verse 12, Peter took great care uh, to give Christ the credit uh, for the miracle. He didn't say, oh yeah, look at me. Look at the power that I have. Maybe you want to worship me. Uh, no, there was no pride um, at this point, and uh, he simply gave the Lord credit. Verse 12 says this, when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye? Why are ye all marveling at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. Why are you marveling at us? Uh, and that's, Peter understands, he perceives that uh, they're, they're marveling more at Peter and John than at the, the man himself. They're looking at him as if he's some kind of God uh, worthy of worship. And he says, no, no, ye men of Israel, uh, men of the Lord, why are you marveling at us as if we had the power to do this uh, apart from our Lord? In verse 13, he says, the God of Abraham, that's who did this. The God of Abraham uh, and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified uh, his son. Who, who is it? Jesus. Jesus. He says, hath glorified his son, Jesus. So he's He's drawing their attention off of himself and uh, placing their attention back on God the Father and, and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, middle of verse 13, whom ye delivered up. Yeah, the, the, the one who's enabling me to do this is the one that you delivered up to Pilate uh, and to the cross, whom ye delivered up and denied him 
uh, in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now you remember, uh, Pilate was the, uh, the procurator, the local Roman governor uh, there in Judah uh, at the time of, of the crucifixion. Uh, the, the procurator was the local authority who functioned um, under uh, the Caesar, the emperor uh, of the Roman Empire. Um, it seems that uh, Pilate had sort of a reporting line back up through Syria, back to Rome. The Roman procurator, of course, Pilate at that time, uh, had responsibility primarily for keeping the peace and collecting the taxes, but he had um, authority uh, from the emperor uh, to do what was necessary to keep the peace so that taxes could be collected and sent back uh, to Rome. And one, uh, one uh, example of his authority was uh, the determination of, of who would die and who would not. He had the power to, um, to um, uh, require capital punishment uh, or to, um, to protect someone. Uh, from capital punishment. And so that's exactly why Christ was uh, presented or tried before Pilate. So uh, Peter preaches, hey, uh, God, the Father, and, and his Son, uh, they're, they're the ones who give me power that actually uh, perform the miracle. Uh, the same Son, the same God, the Son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, uh, even though Pilate was determined to let Christ go, you, you remember that. Verse 14 says, but ye denied, uh, and, and in the next several verses here, Peter uses three titles uh, for Christ. We'll see Holy One, we'll see the Just, uh, and Prince of Life. How ironic is it that they uh, killed, they delivered Christ up to Pilate to be crucified, the one who was called uh, the Prince of Life. How ironic is that? Uh, Peter reminded them that uh, they had desired that Barabbas be freed instead of Christ. Barabbas, of course, was a guilty murderer um, when, in fact, Christ was holy and just uh, and the prince of life. See verse 14, he says, But ye, uh, you all, uh, you were clamoring that Christ, uh, who is holy and just, innocent, uh, is the implication here. Of course, there's more than that, but he was, he was completely innocent. Uh, just as completely as this lame man was healed, uh, Christ was completely innocent of any wrongdoing. There was no legal foundation uh, for his crucifixion at all. Uh, it was the will of God. It was the plan of God. Uh, but there was absolutely no legal foundation because he was perfectly innocent uh, in a civil sense, and he was perfectly holy, sinless um, in, in a biblical sense. Uh, Peter says, but ye denied the Holy One uh, and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, Barabbas. See that back in, in Matthew uh, 27. So let's just consider very quickly these titles for Christ, these descriptive titles. Uh, the Holy One. Peter, of course, had earlier referenced David's prophecy regarding Christ uh, back in Psalm 16 and verse 10. Um, that psalm says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One uh, to see corruption. Thine Holy One. Uh, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy. Absolutely, perfectly sinless. Uh, fulfilling all the types of the Old Testament, the, the, the lamb without blemish and spot and so forth. He was without the spot of any sin at all. 
By the way, you remember that even the demons uh, who encountered Christ during his earthly ministry recognized his holiness. Just listen to this one verse in Mark 1 uh, and verse 24. They said to him, uh, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art. And then they say this, the Holy One of God. Christ is the Holy One of God. Isn't that interesting that the demons recognize his identity? They know who he is. They also recognize his attributes, what he's like. They know that he's God the Son, the Holy One of God, perfectly holy. They know that. The demons uh, know that. Lord, I, I pray this morning that more men, more people would recognize that. Uh, the wicked demons of hell recognize uh, Christ's identity and his attributes, who he is and, and what he's like. Lord, help us just be faithful to get this message, this knowledge out to uh, the world. And Lord, we ask that you would convict, that you would do the convincing uh, as we simply bring the truth. Christ is the Holy One of God. He's the, the Holy One. And uh, Peter also calls him the just. Looking at it, verse 14, Holy One, those two words are capitalized, and just uh, is the J is capitalized because they're titles. Uh, the editors of our, our Bible have capitalized those words. It wouldn't be capitalized in, in Greek or uh, Hebrew in the Old Testament, but uh, they're, they're capitalized here because editors of Scripture recognize that um, these are titles of Christ and, uh, and worthy of being, of, of being capitalized uh, to bring this idea out. So he's called the just, the one who is perfectly just. Praise God for a Savior who is perfectly just. He will never act unjustly toward us like people do at times, treat us unjustly. Uh, he's perfectly just. He's perfectly just. By the way, you can be confident because of that, that uh, when it comes time to stand before the judgment seat of Christ uh, and to receive reward for faithful uh, local church service, perform with the right heart, all of those things. Uh, there'll be a just judge upon the judgment seat. He'll, his, his determination will be completely just because he's perfectly just. First uh, Peter 3 and verse 18, Peter later wrote under inspiration for Christ, also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Christ, our savior, the just suffered for us, the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, uh, but quickened by the Spirit. Uh, I, I love that we can see that Christ was raised by God the Father, by God the Holy Spirit, and that he was involved in raising himself as well. It was a cooperative effort of the triune Godhead that raised Christ from the dead. That's, uh, it's just a, a great privilege to be able to see that uh, and understand that. Here in verse 13 is where Peter adds this third title, Prince of Life. He says, but ye, but ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer uh, to be granted unto you. Sorry, verse 15, verse 15, and killed. Ye killed the Prince of Life. Uh, pretty ironic, Brother Ray Metchik. They killed the Prince of Life, uh, who God hath raised from the dead, uh, whereof we are witnesses, whereof we uh, are witnesses. Um, you know, Christ here is called just that, the Prince of Life. Uh, he is the one who alone uh, can offer to us eternal life. Let me share just a few 
uh, cross-references with you that bring out this idea, that highlight, illustrate this idea. Get, take down some, just some verse references so you have these. Good to have these in your Bible. In John 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Uh, we have uh, eternal life from Christ. He alone has the power and life to offer us eternal life. In John 5 and verse 26, the Bible says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Uh, John 10 and verse 28, Jesus says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John 10, 28, chapter 10, verse 28, is a, is a wonderful verse regarding eternal security. If you are someone who is given to worry about your salvation, understand this morning that if you have genuinely repented of sin, genuinely placed your faith in Christ as the sole basis for your forgiveness, nothing that you've done, but relying completely upon Christ, what he did upon the cross, um, you don't have to worry about your salvation. You can know from the word of God that you're saved, if, if those are true, uh, and if you repented and placed your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit witnesses that to our spirit, uh, but he'll do that primarily through the words of God. Understand that. He'll do that primarily through God's words. John 10, 28 is a wonderful verse that ministers comfort to us regarding our salvation. Uh, what kind of life does Christ give unto those of us who repented and placed our faith in him? Eternal life. And how long is that? It's forever. Uh, <laughs> the Lord says, and they shall never perish. Uh, we will never perish. We will never suffer the destruction of well-being uh, in a very real hell where those who reject Christ, who deny him, who refuse him, will spend eternity. So we get li eternal life. We will never perish. And at the end of verse uh, John 10, 28, the Lord says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. No one can take away your salvation. No one can pluck you out of the hand of Christ. Well, praise God. Uh, praise God, our salvation is secure in Christ. Uh, in John 11 and verse 25, Jesus said unto her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Praise God. Give you one more. In John uh, 14 and verse 6, I quote or refer to this verse all the time. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And he says this, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to be saved than to repent of sin and place your faith in the Christ of Scripture. It's got to be the biblical Christ, the one who is uh, co-equal with the Father, co-eternal with the Father, the one who is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that's who offers eternal life and the secure assurance of our salvation. Uh, this is the Christ that Peter is preaching about here. Uh, we'll stop there for time's sake, but we'll come back, Lord willing, here next week and uh, pick up Peter's um, sermon here. He'll go on and, and he'll remind them that 
this same Christ is the one who had been prophesied by their own prophets. They're the sons of the prophets that prophesied the Lord Jesus Christ, the one they've killed. Um, of course, that was prophesied too. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, your words. Thank you, Father, for uh, the privilege to teach them and, and to preach them this morning. I pray, Father, that we've been, uh, our understanding of some things has grown, and Lord, we've been encouraged this morning. I pray, Father, that you help us to um, bear in mind the things that we've seen here. Lord, the prayerfulness of these two men. I pray this morning again, uh, if we don't have the kind of prayer life we would, Lord, help us to confess that, to agree with that conviction, and to seek grace from you uh, to develop a, a more regular, a more godly, more Christ-honoring prayer life. Lord, I, I pray this morning for those who need healing, uh, like this lame man did. I, I pray, Father, for uh, Marilyn this morning. I know she had a fell, fall. I pray for, um, Lord, for Ellen as she's recovering from a procedure. Lord, so many others who are suffering from so many things. Lord, we know that um, you're at work and that your grace is sufficient, but I do pray for healing and uh, strength for those who need it this morning. Father, we thank you for Peter's uh, sermon that uh, he's preaching here and of course, he's preaching in your power, he's preaching uh, truth from you, preaching the things that he's seen, uh, referring back to scripture, preaching scripture. Lord, thank you for the privilege to do the same here in our church. And uh, Lord, just as uh, Peter's preaching did not return void, it's of course, he's preaching your words and your power. I thank you this morning that the same is true here in our church. I pray this morning uh, for our 11 o'clock hour, Lord, that you would work in that, that you would work and accomplish just exactly what you desire. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you for um, my salvation uh, and for your words. Thank you this morning for the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name.